This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Admirals, you're listening to episode 229 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast. Recorded on Thursday, July 2nd, 2015, and available for download or streaming on Monday, July 6th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Kenna. I'm Jace. And I'm Cam. Jace, why don't you tell us what we have in store this week? This week, we're trekking out some Trek-inspired technology that's being used to detect malaria through the skin. In Star Trek Online news, we're talking about the latest STO live stream with Aaron Eisenberg. We're also looking at some new fleet features that are promised for Season 10.5 and getting the lowdown from lead designer Al Captain Gecko Rivera himself. And as always, before we wrap things up, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Speaking of hailing frequencies, it's great to receive all your messages. So chat with us during our live stream on Thursday night at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash live. Or answer our community questions by commenting on our website, Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOne, or via Twitter at STOPriorityOne. Did you know that this podcast isn't all we've been up to? Be sure to keep your eye on PriorityOnePodcast.com for the latest in Trek-themed news and reviews, and special Star Trek Online videos made specially by our team. And exclusively on our Facebook page, every month we'll be publishing a new comic following the adventures of the USS Prioritas. Head to Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOne for the inaugural strip today. Our YouTube channel, Priority One Network, is becoming more active than ever before, with new helpful videos being released. Check out Kenna's new DOF grinding tutorial and more. Links will be provided in this episode's show notes. Thanks again to all our Patreon supporters that make this show possible from week to week. Because of their support, the servers stay on, the power keeps flowing, and the team keeps producing. Help us improve the show by considering a financial contribution via our Patreon page. One last thing, listeners. Priority One Productions is looking for a new volunteer associate web developer. We have an ever-growing web presence, and our one current developer is stretched pretty thin. So any help is appreciated. WordPress experience is a plus. If you're interested in this position, shoot us an email at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com or click on Red Shirt Uncle Sam on our website for more information. And now, let's trek out a new tricorder-like diagnostic device that has the potential to ease the fight against malaria. Then let's trek it out. 
Laser tricorder can diagnose malaria through the skin. I work in the medical field and I'm always interested when new technologies are released that make our jobs and our lives a lot easier. It seems like every day there are new, smaller, more portable devices that either reduce or eliminate the need for lengthy lab work. Current tests for malaria are already quick, requiring only 15 to 20 minutes, but require blood to be extracted, a trained professional to get reliable results, and expensive chemical reagents. The Foundation for Innovative New Diagnostics, a nonprofit organization set up by the World Health Organization, estimates that the world spends around $100 million annually on these reagents. So now we come to this new tricorder-like device that promises to make testing for malaria even simpler. And I'm just going to quote the article. It works by pulsing energy into a vein in a person's wrist or earlobe. The laser's wavelength doesn't harm human tissue, but is absorbed by hemozoan, which are waste crystals produced by the malaria parasite, Plasmodium falciparum when it feeds on blood. When the crystals absorb this energy, they warm up the surrounding blood plasma, making it bubble. An oscilloscope is placed on the skin alongside the laser. It senses these nanoscale bubbles when they start popping, detecting malaria infections within 20 seconds. I'm not sure what is more Trek-like about this, the fact that it's sort of tricorder-ish, or the fact that we get to use words like hemozoan and nanoscale bubbles. The unit costs around 15,000 US dollars and is due to start trials in Africa. More tweaking will be required before it becomes a mainstream test solution. Some info about malaria. Plasmodium falciparum is a parasite transmitted via mosquito bites. It threatens half the world's population and kills around 600,000 people per year or more. One other interesting thing about malaria is that it seems to be driving human evolutionary adaptation in the areas that it is most commonly found. The malaria parasite likes to feed on healthy human red blood cells. In the areas where the disease is common, an ever-growing proportion of the population has inherited diseases like thalassemia and sickle cell anemia. Thalassemia is an inherited genetic trait where the protein that carries oxygen in the blood, called hemoglobin, is abnormal, mutated, or deformed. This seems to grant some resistance to the malaria parasite, to the point where people with thalassemia are more likely to survive being infected with malaria and pass along those genes. Now, malaria is a very dangerous and deadly disease in the area where it's common. Unfortunately, it's easy for many of us in the West to turn a blind eye to it or forget about it or have that. The numbers are so big and so far away that it's hard to really grasp. But this is a great advance and potentially life-saving for many, many people. Uh, I myself had a classmate die from malaria after a volunteer trip to Africa and had no idea they were sick at all until basically the day they fell over felt a little bit under the weather and within 24 hours was gone. That's how dangerous this can be to someone susceptible, which is the majority of people are. So I'm optimistic that this and other measures currently being researched to use technology to try to overcome this scourge are successful. What we're talking about here is making it not only simpler, but cheaper. Um, so we gave a stat a little bit before. Here's another stat. 
Africa loses about 13 billion dollars US per year to malaria due to health costs and tourism lost tourism and you know just lost time from work and etc like that so anything that reduces that is going to be a good thing before we move on just a brief note of congratulations to for the love of spock and star trek captain pike both films achieved their crowdfunded goals this past week well done to both teams have you discovered something you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about a new advancement in science or tech that you would like us to cover, then send it over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. This week in Star Trek Online News, we'll kick it off with the patch notes, which came a day early because of the U.S. Independence Day holiday weekend, and are also somewhat brief. We have three main points. The first is that the issue where weekly rewards would not be available to players until a full seven days from the last time they completed the episode was resolved. Uh, However, some folks are still not reporting the weekly reward being available. However, we do have a quote from the forums from Laughing Trendy. So I talked with the team. From what I understand with the timing for this, the fix will be functioning for people depending on their playtime. After talking to the team, everyone's should be fixed by this evening. I'll be monitoring and investigating more, however. I haven't seen mine yet, so fingers crossed. Yeah, hopefully that'll get fixed. We also got a one-day extension on the summer event, presumably due to the downtime issues we had recently. So the summer event on RISA will now continue until July 17th instead of the 16th. And finally, the Arbiter and the Fleet Avenger will be able to properly equip the cloaking device console. Last week, a very special guest joined community manager Laughing Trendy and lead designer Al Captain Gecko Rivera for a playthrough of the featured episode Time in a Bottle. It was Aaron Eisenberg. For the uninitiated, Aaron is the actor who played Nog on Deep Space Nine, and he's also the voice actor behind Captain Nog in Star Trek Online. In the live stream, Aaron played himself in Ferengi form, playing alongside himself as Captain Nog. It was kind of weird, but highly entertaining. Fans who listened to the earlier interview that PWE did with Aaron will know that he's a gamer himself, so it was great to watch him tackle Nozikins, the Vaudoir, and Heralds in this episode. Although not a Star Trek Online gamer, he'd played through the tutorial beforehand and the dev team hooked him up with a level 30 engineer and some great gear to get him through the episode. There was a little jealousy in the chat room though when Trendy showed off his full suite of epic gear. Hashtag gold pressed gear. There were a few technical hiccups and a requisite amount of trolling which the team handled really well and with humor. And considering that this was Trendy's first ever live stream, I think she did a great job. Probably the best part of the live stream was when Aaron took some questions from the community. It gave a real insight into what it was like to have played a Ferengi in Star Trek. He even told the story of how he invented the Ferengi love dance. It was really fascinating and funny and worth watching the live stream for that alone. Overall, the response from fans was incredibly supportive and I really hope that they'll be able to bring us more star-studded live streams in the future. Some exciting news about new features coming in Season 10.5 are slowly filtering out. Last week we briefly discussed the new fleet holding that was patched in on the Triple Test Server. 
this week sees some more exciting stuff for fleets being announced. We're going to be interviewing Al, Captain Gecko Rivera in a few moments to find out what all the hubbub is about, so stay tuned. Again this week, in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from Perfect World Entertainment and Cryptic that aren't officially announced in the blogs, here's the latest comments pulled from the forums and the Twitterverse. The Cryptic Cat is at it again, this time posting a gallery of all the ship development patches and Iconian War recruitment posters he's made to date. Quite a body of work so far, not to mention his latest teases of something going on at Utopia Planitia shipyards on Mars. Quote, long day at Utopia Planitia today. Should be worth it, though. Not to be outdone by a member of her own team, Zeronius Rex followed suit with her own gallery of recruitment posters, all lovingly rendered in absurdly high resolution, apparently at the request of whoever put out the call for them in the first place. Last but not least, the design team shared some insight into what it's like to be a dev. Jeremy Bordicus Cryptic Randall said on Twitter, My socks don't match today. Don't tell anyone. And Al Captain Gecko Rivera replied, It's cool. I bet you have another pair just like it at home. When socky things like this happen, I always blame the cat. Thomas, leave Bort's socks alone. And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. There are no weekend events scheduled this week, but just a helpful reminder. This is the last week to play the featured episode Time in a Bottle and earn your last special reward. You can get the third spec point or upgrade kit only until Thursday the 9th of July. And admirals, don't forget to put on your finest swimwear and gear up for the Priority One Podcast Swimsuit Calendar Competition. You're right, you're that right. You have until the end of the summer event to submit a screenshot and we'll pick the best ones along with some from our own team to be made into a series of wallpapers for 2016. For more information, go to the webpage for this episode, PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO229. That wraps up Star Trek Online news this week. Next up is our interview with Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al Captain Gecko Rivera, regarding some exciting new changes coming with Season 10.5. Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization, Sisko Alpha 1 Alpha. Logs accessed. Admirals, this week we welcome back to the show Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al Captain Gecko Rivera hot on the heels of some exciting news about content coming soon in Season 10.5. Thanks for joining us, Al. Hello, thanks uh, Thanks for having me. And uh, I feel like I'm on the, the, the bridge of the Next Generation crew right now. So it's, uh, it's, it's nice to meet you all. Always glad to have you on the show. This is the first time for me and Kenna, so uh, hopefully it'll be all smooth. I'll, uh, I'll make sure everything goes smoothly. Be gentle with us, please. I got it. I'll take the helm. I got the con. Uh, let's start by talking about the latest announcement just out on a blog today, the launch of the Armada system. So um, can you explain how you conceptualize this new system? Um, sure. Well, there's been, there's been a lot of general feedback from, from the community, and, and this, is, this is probably something that came from them first, uh, not, not the details of it, but the idea of wanting, um, you know, wanting, for, wanting fleets to be able to team up with other fleets in some form and help each other out uh, um, so 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 
there's that and the idea that smaller fleets are having trouble finishing their projects and and you know some larger fleets having trouble generating enough fleet credits for themselves right because if the fleet's really large someone puts up a you know leader puts up a fleet project and a couple of players just gobble up just just complete the project really fast and a moderate player logs in and everything's already filled and they can't contribute and they can't earn fleet credits and and so this doesn't feel good when we when we first made the fleet system we we had to kind of we had to kind of guess what what really is an average fleet size and we had fleets at the time and but we didn't know what they would turn into once the once the new fleet system was out you can make a guild before but it was just more of a glorified chat channel before right um before the the, the the real fleet system was launched so we didn't know what was the average size so it was really kind of hard to judge how much something should cost and how long something should take to complete so uh i, I we we, we uh, guessed between 25 and 50 people and there's a lot of fleets that are very small but there's a lot of fleets that are also really huge so there, there was a, a number of things in the fleet system that that weren't, you know, that weren't perfect, that that were that that needed some help, and generally a way to, you know, to allow the community to organize better. I mean, some people just wanted to just raise the fleet cap level. So well, it's already 500 people, and that's a pretty high level. If we raise the cap level, it's only going to really help a few fleets, and it's really and and then it's and and we're not going to really solve any problems with that. So, so we decided we came up with this uh, this uh, this armada system, and so that it's designed for you know for communities and fleets to organize together. And there's other features of it that we want to continue to add to it to allow fleets to add together to it. And and um, it's hopefully trying to take some of the some of the pressure off the of smaller fleets, particularly. Um, I don't see this. This, how people will structure these will be interesting to see if it will be all the, always large fleets at the top and smaller fleets at the bottom or will a bunch of smaller fleets um, merge together to help each other or will a bunch of large fleets just merge together and just kind of be some huge huge powerful force so I, I'm suspecting we'll see uh, all of those iterations and uh, I suspect we'll have to react and iterate as the community uses this in a way that we prob- ways that we probably never thought of well, there's already some community-based organization for certain fleets. Off the top of my head, for example, the Reddit fleets have, I think, four or five different fleets. There are uh, mm-hmm. a, a bunch of other different groups that have multiple fleets. Uh, there's a, a, f- a group of fleets where it's they have like 15 different fleets or more. Yeah. Uh, and this is just based, loosely based on community. They have a common chat channel between them and, you know, the people hop between different fleets and they have alts in different fleets. This is basically putting an in-game organization for those types of fleets. Yeah, I, I Reddit fleet the Reddit fleets come to mind really quickly when, when, when you when you mention that and, and uh, I think this is going to be a really powerful tool for them. It's 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 really um, it's going to be really beneficial for people like that who are already organized and this is going to give them a much better and a much more you know legitimized uh, way to organize in the game so I hope they I hope they enjoy that shout out to all my friends at the reddit fleets yes <laughs> so next questions um, how does the contribution between the fleets in the armada work so this is what the basic principle of this is um, that is one of the largest um, benefits or, or, or you know functionality of the system so when you when you when your fleet joins an armada um, 
you'll have this. Uh, it's be it's, you'll be able to view this within the fleet UI itself. There'll be a new tab called Armada, and everything will be managed within that Armada tab. Within there, you'll see the tree structure, not not unlike uh, you know like you're seeing right now in Teamspeak, right? You'll see like the trees are in a Windows tree, right? So the you know. Um, uh, you'll, you'll see the like it's like you know like folders in a Windows tree. So you'll see you'll see the up to 13 fleets in there. And when you click on one on one fleet, you can get info on that fleet. So it will tell you the you know the number of fleet members in there. That 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 fleet's level. It'll tell you what bonuses they're getting from the Armada system, and um, a few other bits of information in there. And so you basically get an overview of the fleet. But then you can click on their holdings. And then a list of all their holdings will appear uh, on the right side of the UI, and you can see all all of their, you know, all their projects. I think it's projects on holdings. I can't remember all their fleet projects that they're currently running. And then just like you were in your own UI, you can just contribute right there into their into into their project. The all fleet leaders for each of their fleets can manage that. So if they don't want their fleet to contribute to any other fleet in Armada, they can just say, nope, no outgoing contributions allowed from my fleet. Or only allow one kind of contribution, like only allow dilithium or only allow uh, duty officers or whatever Whatever it is, you can control, the fleet leaders can control what is both outgoing and what is incoming. So for instance, you might be a small fleet, but it's really easy for you to get duty officers or energy credits or, or fleet credits or fleet marks. You can turn all those out so nobody can donate to your fleet, but they can uh, any of those items. But you will let them donate dilithium, so you can leave that enabled. And you can also turn on and off individual projects as well. Um, so that way, you say, I don't want anyone ever donating to uh, upgrade assignments or upgrade projects for whatever reason. So you can everyone has control of what can come in and out. And of course, if you donate to anybody's fleet project, you will earn fleet credits. You don't have to. So, so that's one way for people to earn fleet credits that way. And um, so that's that's how that's managed. It's actually pretty slick and simple UI for all the fuss we went through trying to design it. And I think it came out pretty uh, in the end. It's pretty straightforward and pretty simple. Um, it would pre- it'll be pretty intuitive. And if you can't donate to a project, it'll just be grayed out or to a particular. You know, item it'll just be grayed out, and then you try to donate. So, nope, can't donate to this because this fleet has disabled this, or your fleet has disabled this. Okay, so just a, a quick follow-up for that. I should have probably mentioned this a little bit earlier. There's going to be three tiers of fleets within the Armada. So, an Alpha fleet, Beta fleets, Gamma fleets, and we have one Alpha fleet, three Beta, and nine Gamma. Yeah. So, any fleet when when this system is launched, any fleet can invite three fleets. To basically be underneath them, so on day one I can say uh, I want this fleet, I want you know, Joe Bob's fleet, I want the, Imper- the Imperium fleet, and I want the the, uh, the Dark Lord's fleet. Would you like to be my sub fleet? And then they they'll join me, and so that I'll be Alpha, and those three will be Beta fleets. And then somebody could invite me, and then I can I can join them, and I take my three Betas with me. Those Betas become Gammas, and I become a Beta. So, and so it'll be up to 13 fleet, one alpha, and then three, three, uh, three betas, and every beta can have three gammas. But then at any time, a beta fleet can leave and just say, screw you guys, you guys are terrible, I don't want to have anything to do with it, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, we're taking off and I'm taking my, taking my children with me. And you go and you take off and then you can leave and then you, 
you, uh, you, you then become alpha and you have your three betas underneath you and then those betas then can invite three more gammas underneath them so that it can those trees can move around like that and the system is designed very easily for us to expand upon the depth and width of the tree structure we thought this was the probably the minimum that we needed to launch in order to make this uh, a viable uh, and fun system but we could very easily say you know what we're gonna go ahead and allow another depth down and have uh, what's the next letter epsilon um, have epsilon fleets or instead having instead of having three betas and three gammas each you can have you know, you know three children each you can have five children each so we can we can expand upon it uh, if the system is if we feel the system is stable and solid and 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 we need and the players are demanding an expansion we can very easily change that so so that's that's how that that's how that structure works okay so um just in regards to the contributions is it just one direction so alpha fleets can donate to beta and gamma and beta can donate to gamma or is it no everyone can donate anyone can anyone can donate to anybody's fleet it's there's there the only restrictions is on whatever the fleet leader wants to say on what what's what they will allow their members to to do or what they allow anyone to donate to their fleet so all the leaders have control over any you know any outgoing or incoming contributions but by default everyone can donate to everybody fantastic just along the same lines, because the way it's been presented, it, it's kind of naturally you think of the Alpha fleet as being the big fleet, and then they get smaller as they go down. Um, that's sort of how it's been presented. But theoretically, um, there's no size limitations on the Beta or Gamma fleets, or could you potentially have 13 very large fleets that have all just organized themselves? There, there are no restrictions on how players want to organize whatsoever. You can have all big fleets on the bottom and small fleets at the top for some reason if you wanted to, um, and you can and you can have all big fleets or all little fleets. There's uh, there's no restrictions whatsoever. The system is designed, you know, not not in any you know hard you know hard and force, but it's incentivizing what that larger fleets we presume will be at the top and smaller fleets will be at the bottom. Presumably that there are more smaller fleets than there are larger fleets. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's a, a statistical fact that there's just a lot more smaller fleets. There's a lot more places within an armada at the bottom than there are at the top. But the bonuses that you get are designed, although everybody wants the bonuses, they're designed the way we think that what smaller fleets will, will need, they'll get more of, and what larger fleets will need, what they'll get. So the way we designed it was, um, everybody gets a dilithium discount bonus. That's a discount to do to to dilithium for, for for fleet projects, as well as everyone gets a skill point or an XP, a skill point bonus. But the people at the bottom of the armada, the gamma fleets, will get the largest dilithium discount bonus, and the people at the top of the uh, of uh, the alpha fleet will get the largest skill point bonus. Presumably because the the largest fleet is probably made of the most savvy players, and they really need a skill point bonus so that way they can continue to earn their specialization points, uh, uh, you know, faster, which is what everybody wants. Um, while the while the while the fleets at the bottom have this have the smallest number of members, presumably, so that way they'll they'll uh, they'll really benefit the most from a dilithium discount for their project, so they can complete their projects on their own faster. And the magnitude of that bonus is then multiplied by the combined level of the fleet armada. So you're, it's another incentive to donate to other fleets outside of your fleet within the armada, so that way their fleet level goes up and then everybody's bonus goes up. So 
Uh, it's it's a it's a two axes. It's based on your position in the armada and the combined level of the armada. And so if somebody wants to leave, if Beta Fleet leaves, they take all that levels with them and everyone's discount will go down. Along the same kind of lines, um, you were talking about the, uh, your position as a fleet within the Armada. Is it something that um, if somebody is currently a Gamma, for instance, that they could be promoted into a beat option? Is there, would you be able to move like that or would they have to sort of leave and then come back? Currently, we'll have to leave and then, and then be reinvited and come, and, and come back. So we've talked about a UI, a tool, a, a, a system that you allow people to shift that around. But it's, uh, it quickly became very ugly uh, on how to do that. So, for instance, I mean, if, 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 you, if, you're, if you are a beta and you've recruited three guys below you and then the guy alpha says, you know what, kick you out, you have to go down a level and move you up. You, when you're down, you technically have two fleets already connected to you. So we, we'd have to techni- technically it'd be really, really uh, difficult to, to do. It's, it's not something we, we don't think we should do for technical reasons, but it was a challenge. It was also a challenge in the UI to build that also, you know, promotion mechanic. But um, I'm not quite convinced it would be fair. We're not trying to build the Armada system where the Alpha Fleet is boss, right? That's that's not that's not the way the system is. The it's it's you're, it's uh, the tree exists only to kind of show you you know where your bonuses are going, and it's not like it's not like on other other systems like like uh, for instance uh, I think it was Astron's Call you know had like this pyramid marketing scheme where the little guys were 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 paying paying um, a tithe to the guys above them. It's not designed like that. It's not like there's an actual I'm in charge. The only thing that the guys at the top get to do is that if you're above, you can kick somebody out if you don't like them. But the bottom guy can leave just as well. Um, it's not like they, they're, they're beholden to them. And the top guy gets to set, uh, well, you know, currently it's not completed, but the guy Alpha Fleet will be able to name the Armada. Um, and currently right now on, on, on Tribble, if you check it out on Tribble, the name of the Armada is the name of the Alpha Fleet. So the, the, the Alpha will be able to name the Armada and the Alpha will be able to set message of the day for the Armada. But that's about as much control that they have. They can also set the Armada, eventually be able to set the Armada logo they'll be able to set that and they'll be able to set a calendar that everyone uh, an event calendar for everybody else but there's no control and alpha has almost no control over the gammas and alpha can't kick a gamma only the betas can kick the gammas so it's it's even though it's in a tree structure the the the, the amount of con- everyone's the amount of control someone has above is very minimal so if we decided that we wanted to allow the alpha to rearrange Beta and Gamma and have them flip around. I think that really changes the dynamic of what the system is. And I'm not saying it's necessarily bad, but it wasn't our intent. But maybe that's where it will evolve and, and that would be fine, I think. So um, it was a decision we made and maybe we'll be stuck with it because once you change something, once it's live, people will create, you know, will not like that, hey, that wasn't what you promised me. And so maybe we won't be able to do that. Maybe we'll make it a permission that that's basically someone will be able to say, hey, we want to vote and say that this armada allows arrangements, but this armada does not, and then that's just what it is. So, so maybe we'll we'll do that. But for now, for now, no, you'll have to leave and then and then come back. And so there'll have to be some sort of mutual uh, mutual understanding and agreement in order to do that. Um, so that's how that will work for, at launch. Okay. So we got um, a question coming in from the community, kind of in relation to what you were just talking about. 
Gray Fox James from Liberty Task Force asks, um, you already answered some bits of it, but I'm going to go ahead and read both. Like, it's a sure. multi-part question. Um, do the fleets and the Armada keep their autonomy? Um, an example, meaning their own bank access, leadership, members. How will the fleet stores work? Will it be a giant pool or will invites still be required? Will fleet ships be handled any differently than they are now? Um, for the most part, uh, if not all of it, everyone, the fleet will maintain their own autonomy. So you have your own fleet bank, um, you'll maintain your own provisions, uh, you'll have access to your own shipyard, so your own ships that you can purchase. So uh, what were some of the others that he, he asked about? Uh, the How the fleet stores will work. Yeah, the fleet stores will work exactly exactly like they did before. So if you could... If you wanted to invite someone to your to your fleet station and use their store, use the store, they can, but they have to have their own provisions and own fleet credits to buy it. Um, but it won't. Uh, so, but that's that exists now. So uh, you, you you can invite someone to your fleet outside of the Armada. So there, you're not going to have. It, it's not that all of a sudden it's completely open to everybody immediately. Pretty much everyone just manages their own fleet entirely. So there's no. There's, there's no control from the fleet above you, and there's no shared resources. The only thing that is shared is what you choose to share, primarily just through, through projects right now. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just, it's really more, it's a, it primarily is a community tool that we're all together. We can all chat and have our own channels together. We are all part of the Armada, and we can help each other out, build each other's fleet. That's, that's, um, but you don't get my stuff, and I don't get your stuff, and I can't give you access to my stuff. So um, it's, that's uh, and it's a nice, pretty UI to manage all of that. Okay, I just have a quick question about the skill points bonus that, that you talked about and the dilithium discounts, which is sort of okay. the, the top and bottom tiers. Can you talk a little bit more about um, the scale of the changes? Like, what what's the difference between something that the an alpha would get versus what people would get and vice versa? Um, I have some rough numbers uh, that they're they're not necessarily final at all. But we're talking about, say, for instance, if you have a, so your first first it's based on your fleet level, your your tile armada level, and that was something by the way that I think is currently broken on holodeck the. I believe the displayed fleet level on holodeck only counts your is only currently counting the level of your starbase, so it's not considering the levels of your of all your holdings. So that's actually a display error. Uh, if if you if you how many fleet holdings we have out now live now three or three. four? I can, so there's three live, and so those are you can get to three. Uh, I, I think I can't remember the total level you can be, but. Um, an armada can get up to like 700, an armada level of 750. So once you, as soon as 10.5 goes live, your fleet level is going to increase because the ship is going to fix that bug. So based on your armada level, your bonuses may be somewhere between like, uh, you know, uh, a half a percent all the way up to 10%. So the like half a percent bonus and skill point may be all the way up to 2.5 or, uh, uh, um, Let's see, no, like 10%. Let's see, I'm looking at some of the old numbers I had here in an old document. So the Alpha Fleet could enjoy anywhere between a 2% and a 10% skill point bonus, while a Gamma Fleet might might enjoy that in Dilithium Discount, between 2 and 10%, while an Alpha Fleet might only get, say, a 0.5 to a 2.5% uh, Dilithium Discount, and the, and the 
Gamma Fleet will only earn between maybe a 0.5 and a 2.5 skill point bonus. And uh, these are stacking with any other bonus that may be uh, that the that the play, individual player may have or the fleet may enjoy. Um, so it just the, the the they scale at a different rate based on your position. And then Beta kind of gets a somewhere right in the middle, actually exactly in the middle uh, between those two. Ah, okay, so you said it's stacked, so this is not replacing like the dilithium discounts. This is not replacing the currently existing dilithium discounts that players might have already procured in the uh, their fleets. This is sitting on top of that. Yes, this is absolutely a, a bonus discount. Okay, and bonus this... Discount in. And a bonus skill point bonus, yeah. And the skill point bonus, this is for leveling up. We're talking about specialization mm-hmm. points. If you want to call it, if you want to call it XP, it's a, it's a straight straight up XP bonus. So we'll it, you'll level up faster, and you'll earn specialization points faster. But that kind of brings us to an interesting discussion because where you've got the the skill point bonus versus a dilithium discount. Some people would argue that the dilithium discount is really a bonus for your fleet, where the skill points are more of an individual person bonus um, and aren't you afraid that players would ultimately basically just want skill points for themselves rather than a bonus for the fleet so more people are going to tend to want to be alphas and eventually we'll just all want to be alphas not everybody can be an alpha <laughs> so yeah I think everyone's of course everyone's going to want to be an alpha but uh, but that you're in order to be a successful alpha you're going to need betas and gammas and so there there's, will be there will be some dramas there, and if I mean we're not talking major skill point bonuses, they're effective uh, skill point bonuses. But uh, if you really want to build your fleet, if this, this system is designed for people who really, you know, want to be involved in fleet, you're going to be better off joining, uh, you know, pledging fealty and being a beta or a gamma, so that way you can complete your fleet. And I suppose as people complete their fleet, then they will probably want to branch off, and we're going to be our own alpha. And so we anticipate that there will be drama associated with this, which is not a bad thing for there to be drama within within uh, communities such as these. So, um, uh, yeah, people will want to as they as their fleet comes into their own, you know, they may want to 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 uh, to split off. And then as the, as these smaller fleets are introduced into a larger community, they may start seeing the benefit of having more people join their fleet, and maybe they won't be smaller fleets anymore. Um, it's also, you know, we have a lot of fleets that are very small. Some fleets are only like one person in it or, or just the original five, and they don't want to be involved with other people, but they could use the help. And so people will generally be shy in an MMO community and just kind of play with their friends. And so this is a nice way to, uh, on top of fleets, to kind of encourage people to get involved with more uh, with other community members. And that's I think that's a good thing. And so those bonuses are designed for there to be, you know, incentives for the smaller fleets. So we, I mean, it's really not hard to. It's a lot. It's a lot harder to if you're in a fleet of five to complete a fleet holding with dilithium than it is ever will be to level up in our game. And so um, you're gonna. That's what you need more of when you're a small fleet. And then once you get larger and once you're done, then you'll, you know, you will want that skill point bonus and maybe you want will want to raise in the ranks. And so um, yeah, we'll just we'll have to see how that hashes out. It's. What we didn't want to do was just make the bonuses completely flat. It just didn't seem interesting. If it was completely flat, then there would be no, no, no drama, no reasons, uh, no meaning to your position whatsoever. And we wanted those positions to have meaning. And we wanted to give things that we thought those, those types of fleets would need or want the most of. 
And so I think that's probably uh, uh, certainly open to making adjustments, but we do want to have there to be a dynamic where things are flowing down and things are flowing up at different rates. So we'll touch upon the drama in a in a few moments. It's a good okay. that you brought that up. But before I before we get there, are there any plans to improve or build upon the current fleet admin capabilities? Things like increasing the number of fleet ranks, adding an armada mail system to cut down on the number of mails members receive in larger multi fleet communities. Uh, are we going to see maybe an armada uniform? Um, I hadn't considered the mail one. But there was uh, there 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 are a few improvements coming to the fleet itself. Um, we had a huge list. I uh, I have some of them here. I brought with me um, of what we were what we were trying to do. But the Armada system itself just took more time than we had hoped. So we weren't able to add as many quality of life improvements to the fleet system as we wanted to. But they're still on our list. Um, so the first one that we did add is we had to fix the fleet levels because they've been broken from the beginning and probably didn't even realize that, but that was important to fix for the Armada systems. So I've already mentioned that. Then we added um, the fleet. The, the the fleet info will now tell you your you know when people have been promoted, dates they were promoted, and date and when they joined, as well as now you can export that data into an Excel sheet, which apparently some people are really excited about. So a lot of people like to manage that data pretty intensely. So I'll be able to do that. We have uh, talked about Armada uniforms. Armada uniforms have some of the same problems that fleet uniforms have, and such as an Armada uniform can be set for a uniform that other people don't have all the parts for. So, um, uh, so we before we added that, we wanted to kind of readdress how that works in general. I mean, it's I assume you understand what I mean by that. Someone may own the say say the the mirror universe uniform, and someone may just may not own it. And then you set that as a fleet uniform, and you go to equip it. And what do we do? Do we force you to buy it, or you just can't equip it, or do you have to buy it first? So there's uh, we want to just improve that experience. One of the things that I wanted to do that uh, hopefully be on the list soon is improve the way provisions are managed. So that way, so you can uh, manage them, say, individually by a rank, how many provisions somebody could spend. So that way, someone doesn't donate uh, some, you know, to a provision project, and then before you blink, someone else just comes and gobbles up all those provisions. You're like, you know, damn it, I just donated 50,000 dilithium and someone took all the provisions. So a way to manage provisions a little bit better, uh, a little more fair way. I wanted to improve the way we donate duty officers, so that way you can get credit based on the quality of that duty officer. Because right now you could donate a white or a blue or a purple, and you get the same, you know, they count the same. Wanted like purple officers to be worth more than white officers, um, as well as stopping you from donating unique duty officers. It's like, oh, I just gave away, accidentally gave away that duty officer that, you know, you could only get in that special event or was super rare or, or something like that. So we want to uh, have at least either hard or soft gates to stop that from happening. I think that was that was that was the majority of the ones we had on the docket. I know we wanted to also add to the Armada system the ability to name the Armada, which should may or may not go out when it first, when it first goes out, but it will, it'll come out shortly. And the ability to uh, to um, I think we were, whether or not we were going to let people use each other's banks. I think for for the most part we're saying no. We haven't really decided on whether or not we're going to let people have access to each other's banks or not. And what were some of the stretch goals we had here? Provision management. Uh, I don't know if message of the day for your 
children and grandchildren fleets whether or not that will actually be uh, be make it to launch that's that's TBD but that will be coming and yeah the unit the, the uniforms setting the setting the Armada uniforms is something on the list that should come should come in a reasonable time I just had an idea so you know if you're in a fleet and you have a ship you go to the ship tailor you can either have the United Federation of Planets logo or your fleet's logo on the ship. Yeah. So maybe a uh, Armada logo. Yeah, yeah. There, there's that. That that's another one we wanted to get in there. Is definitely having an Armada logo, and then you can choose your Armada logo as well, and then that would be set by the Alpha fleet. Regarding the spreadsheets, you just uh, you just spoke about that. There's going to be a spreadsheet export feature. Um, I'm sure the guys from the Reddit fleets had some kind of hand in this. Shout out again. Um, I know they keep extensive records for all four or five of their six of their fleets. I don't know how many they're up to right now. How closely did you work with the Reddit guys about this? Can you go more in depth about um, this? I, I I didn't work closely with them actually. Uh, uh, I, uh, Maria uh, Zeronius Rex worked more closely with them, and and uh, so I'll have to give the, uh, give uh, give all them more of the credit onto that feature than myself. It wasn't something that I had really considered. So so yeah, that was but, but it was influenced by the community and uh, and their desire to manage to to since they were kind of already doing it by hand, letting, uh, giving an automated system for them to do that. And um, I'll, be, I'll be honest, I, I, I haven't even seen the final results of that yet. So it's not even, it's not even a, a fully complete feature at this point. So, uh, yeah, that was definitely influenced by the community, definitely by, uh, with a large and strong influence by the Reddit fleets. Yeah, so just to explain what the spreadsheet export is, um, basically you are going to have a, a, a button you can click, or is it a, a command line within the game? And it, explo- it exports data about the fleet that you're in? Um, it's cur- uh, I honestly don't know. I don't know. It probably will be a button, and then we'll just export it out as an Excel file, and it will have all your fleet members' information, including you know their name, their rank, their position in the fleet, their uh, their dates joined their uh, um, their uh, when they were promoted. I don't know if it got added or not, but the ability to see how much they've contributed to you know to the uh, to the fleet and their their position as far as contributions. Um, so we're trying to add as much information as we can to that. Um, it's still pretty much in engineers' hands at this point, but that's that's what that's what you'll get. And if there's more information that that the fleet leaders want to get out of that, it probably will be really easy to just simply add. So um, it's a pretty early feature right now, but um, uh, it's, uh, I believe it is mostly working. I know it's one of the things that people are very excited about, <laughs> especially yeah, those yeah. people in larger fleets. Yes, I got, we've got a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of positive response when they heard about that. So Let's talk about the drama. You brought it up a little bit earlier. Um, what kind of protection from drama will there be in the armada system well what we did is is there's protection from being kicked out so we you know we learned our lessons from uh way back when there was some fleet drama where caspian fleet got completely disbanded by one fleet leader right um and so there was so we put in protection currently in the fleet system now that way if one fleet leader wants to you know to to kick another fleet leader, the other fleet leaders can vote not and rescue them, right? So there's there was a cool down period before any of those things happen. So the same thing happens here. If a if a fleet leader decides to kick out one of their sub fleets, 
their that fleet that subfleet goes on probation. And during that time, they won't get any bonuses and they won't be able to contribute, but they will. But they can be rescued by another fleet leader in in their parent in their parent fleet. So that we can't have one hothead do that. Now, of course, if you just join a fleet that only has one fleet leader, just like if you were to join that fleet itself. You're basically joining a dictatorship, and you're, and that's there's nothing, you know, there's no one that's going to be able to, to help you. So generally, the system always encourages players to have multiple fleet leaders to make sure you have more of a, a oligarchy in place than just a dictatorship. So um, similar uh, similar uh, rules apply to joining a fleet. You get put on probation when you're first joining the fleet, and to make sure people don't just join fleet to get their discount and then just leave immediately. That's more in there to prevent people from exploiting the system. But the uh, but the the idea of um, trying to protect people from being taken advantage of or you know getting screwed because one angry person decides to kick out one beta fleet and kick with three three gammas below them and then kick out you know what's that uh, 2,000 players because of one one angry guy uh, the system will allow other fleet leaders to say nope that's not cool and we're gonna you know, that's we will disagree with that and then and then there's some drama say you know what if some one guy is that much of a hothead the other fleet leaders can of course just ban that fleet leader from the system because the other fleet leader, the, that that's what the fleet system has is you can manage your own fleet leaders that way so it's mostly designed um, to protect pe- entire fleets from being kicked out in the cold from uh, from one dictator I'm glad that this is being included in there yeah I mean that was something we just wanted to apply directly from what we learned from uh, from the fleet leader drama itself let me let me uh, let me just read you something from the design doc is, I have here and I'm not actually sure let's see where if this is accurate let's see any child fleet leader can choose to leave its parent that parent uh, fleet is put on escrow for a certain amount of time. During that time, project contribution is disabled, and there will be no benefit contribution to, to, to any uh, to any kickback bonuses. Other features, such as a modern chat or social features, will still continue to function. During that time, any child fleet leader can unleave and rescue their uh, and rejoin the parent fleet. Uh, if there is only one fleet leader and a child, the leave is immediate. If all ch- child fleet leaves. Uh, leader votes to agree to leave, then the leave is immediate. So even a child, so the, the, the other way applies. If you're a child fleet, you know, let's say a beta fleet or a gamma fleet, and one of the leaders say, you know, screw this noise, we want, I'm, I'm leaving. The, the, it doesn't doesn't kick the entire child out. The other fleet leaders in that child fleet have to agree. Once they all agree, then it will go. Otherwise, it will, um, it'll just, it'll take, you know, a certain amount of time before that will happen, giving enough reasonable amount of time for any other fleet leader to come in and say, no, I don't want to do that. If that fleet, if those other fleet leaders are on vacation in Bimini for three weeks during that time, um, oh well. Um, we have to have a reasonable amount of time for that to happen. You may just, you basically have a fleet leaders that are MIA and then, and then some drama will ensue after that. But, um, it's a similar system that we have for fleet, fleet leadership management. Is it going to be the same cooldown that exists within the fleet, which I believe is a two-week provisional period? Is it, already, is, it already, is it two weeks? I thought it was much shorter than that. The fleet, this one is, should be much shorter. I think last we talked about was going to be like like around three days. I don't know if we've come to a final decision on that. I have I have I have three days currently. I think uh, um, I mean it's 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 far less damning to be kicked out of an armada than it is to have somebody completely disband a fleet itself. 
So you're, you're, I mean, you're still keeping, even if, a, so we didn't think that this, you know, the same amount of time would be necessary. So we're thinking three days Yeah. because, you know, you could just rejoin again very easily without having really lost anything. You would immediately get everything back. Well, if you disband the fleet, everything's gone. Yeah. Right. So There's definitely so. more impact for a fleet. And I believe the provisional period in a fleet is one week to two weeks. I'm not quite sure. Maybe I need to kick one of my fellow fleet leaders to, to verify that. But um, Yeah, I mean, uh, for a fleet leader to be on probation for one or two weeks really doesn't affect the entire fleet at all. But, uh, but it, it, you know, it's for them to take two weeks. But I think waiting, letting, letting the system come online for two weeks and then if someone wants to leave and, you know, to reorganize and, get, I mean, you know, to leave Gamma to come back in as a beta, you know, having to do that within... Uh, uh, in, in a, uh, it's going to take months and months and months. Yeah. yeah. So three yeah. weeks to one, uh, three days to one week sounds yeah. perfectly reasonable. Actually, joining doesn't have the same. Doesn't. Uh, I think we've gone back and forth on that, and I think currently we've landed on joining, not having any any probationary period. You can join immediately um, without having to wait on cooldown. But but if you uh, but leaving has but leaving has uh, has a cooldown. So we've gone back and forth on that, and so. Will we finally land? I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll, we'll look to the community to see how they feel while it's on triple right now, and uh, kind of see see where that goes. But, but that's generally the the, the drama or ex the. Uh, well, I don't want to say exploit, but maybe the word is. Uh, um, I don't know what the right word is, but just general protections that we put in place for, um, um, uh, for for the community. But it shouldn't be nearly as 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 problematic as as fleet leader um, jerkiness. That brings us to this week's community questions. What are you most looking forward to in the new Armada system? And what would be on your wish list for season 10.5? That concludes part one of our interview with Al Captain Gecko Rivera, lead designer of Star Trek Online. Join us next week for part two. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? We are getting to know each other. Admirals, we're at the part of the show when we open up hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Last week's community question was, have you guys gotten your hands on these new ships, the Arbiter, the Kurak, and the Morigu? What are your thoughts? What are your opinions about the review and the ships in general? Alien Error replied on the STO Reddit, I really have to comment on your backwards math comment. 1 over 1 plus x innately has diminishing returns, and also ensures that getting more of a stat doesn't exponentially increase in power the more of that stat you get, such as no zero weapon power cost. Just want to note that Alien Error is commenting on the Command School video about the Arbiter we posted earlier in the week. Just want to say... I have no problem with diminishing returns, however diminishing returns should apply after you start stacking abilities and not before. Right. Jonathan Lonehawk posted on the STO forums, just wanted to say that you can't put the Universal Console Ablative Hazard Shielding on the Presidio, which is a battlecruiser by name. I just tried it. Thanks for the update. The release blog states, faction battlecruisers. The tooltip on the console from the Arbiter says Starfleet battlecruisers. It makes sense that it wouldn't fit on the command battlecruisers since the console from the Morigu 
only works on the Mogai variants. I just wish that they would clarify the tooltips to indicate that the consoles are only going to be equipable on the Avenger Moog variants. Dio Kent replied on the STO forum post about this episode. No, I'm not buying the pack. Why? This is where free-to-play fails me. Their marketing department needs to reconsider the value of sea store ships. It's way too expensive which is understandable for a free-to-play business model. At the speed that they are releasing products, though, in my shoes, it's getting easier to pass up their pixel code at the current price. These ships are expensive and cost more than a whole game by other companies. I kind of understand this comment. I'm free to play and up until recently I was starting to feel very fatigued because loads of new ships were being released and I felt like I was missing out. But I think that actually having all these ships is good and hopefully it'll mean that we'll see a little more variation out there because players have more top tier ships to choose from and very few players can afford to buy them all so they'll have to pick and choose. Of course there are still people out there who are exclusively free players and something I'd really like to see is a free tier 6 ship. Maybe something just basic when you complete the game, like how you get a free tier 5 ship at level 40. That would make free players feel at least like they're on the same starting level as other players who are better off financially. I'm just imagining Winter's notes now are just a scribble and the words <laughs> kind of goes off the rails. <laughs> Sorry. No, but it really did bother me, you know, because I, you know, I, I thought it was great. Ooh, I get this because you get a few free ships as you're leveling up. And I, right. at the time, the, the level cap was at level 50. And I hit level 50 and I was like, oh yeah, I'm level 50. Here's something great. And it's nothing. You get nothing. And it was really, really disappointing. And then I felt true. like I had to put up some money in order to then, you know, compete on the end game where everyone else was already in higher level ships. You do get two free ships per year from the summer and winter events. Yeah, but at the time I had, uh, I just missed the summer event and the winter event didn't happen yet so I was kind of stuck in like October with feeling like I was behind yeah I, I could see maybe at least uh, giving I, I would I would definitely support your your proposal um, I do think that at least the free ships that we've been getting through events have I think been to a higher caliber than some of the earlier free ships which were sort of like awkward ships in some ways although I enjoyed flying some of them, especially the Racian Corvette, which was pretty cool. But, I mean, the Nandi is really solid. The, uh, especially the console that came with the Samsar, awesome. Um, getting a, a science-based carrier in the winter is always fun. But uh, some kind of, I, I guess getting, if they just had one sort of bare-bones tier 6 ship, there'd be a lot of questions like, well, would they need to have a science uh would they have to have a science and escort and a cruiser um would it have a mastery trait it's complicated but i feel like there's something they could do well i would think that now since we've gone up 10 levels the level cap has gone up maybe there should be a free ship given at level 50 and perhaps one of these um mirror equivalent ships that get released doesn't have to be the mirror equivalents that we get right now. Something new, something very, very basic. Um, it's tier six. It's got ten consoles. Um, doesn't get a mastery trait. Something like that. Even something like a 
uh, an account-bound, one-time-only reward per account uh, fleet ship module type item that would at least allow you to upgrade your ship from level 40 to fleet grade or I, th- I think t- tier 5U might be overkill. You should at least get something that is like a congratulations, you've completed the game. Yeah, you get to 50th and then you have a, a longer haul to 60 and there's not really any specific rewards for doing it like there were at the earlier 10 level marks. Like, that's very exciting, leveling up. Like, oh, I got to go back to the soul system and talk to Quinn and then go to the shipyards and all that good stuff. Gavin Runeblade commented on PriorityOnePodcast.com, I haven't gotten them yet, but I will pick them up once I can save some money and earn some more dill for some more zen. I have the old Avenger and love it, so I'm sure I'll love the new one. The new Mogai looks really flexible with its universal boff seat. The review was good, had plenty of detail, and some great ideas on how to use the ships. Also, on the current featured episode... I also loved it and agree, 5 out of 5 here too. I personally have a bet going with a friend on the player being the other, the Delta Alliance being the alliance that took them down 200,000 years ago, and the Krenim betray or trick us and use the time ship to recreate their lost empire plus extra territory, thus becoming the major plotline for season 11. Basically, they pull off what Gaul failed to do for the Vodwar. I think that's a good theory. Uh, I have to say, the writers have done a great job of creating a storyline that's inspiring a lot of discussion, and I can't wait to see how it all pans out. Is it too soon to say that maybe Star Trek Online is the next great Star Trek series? Hmm. Hmm. Well, I agree with uh, Gavin here. This is uh, my own personal theory, is that us, the players, are the others, and my personal opinion also follows what you're thinking. So we'll see how it plays out. Solar Sun replied on PriorityOnePodcast.com, Excellent show this week. I purchased my Arbiter-class battlecruiser as soon as it was available. The Avenger is by far my favorite ship, and when Cryptic announced a Tier 6 version, my head nearly exploded. I love the ship so far. It's a little fragile, but I'm sure better piloting, completing the Starship Masteries, and getting the tougher fleet version will remedy this. Now I have a reason to bring back my Vata. P.S. Congrats on the new mic, Kenna. Your voice sounds great, and it's not just the accent. Thank you very much. (laughs) I'm against exploding heads. It creates a big mess that someone has to clean up. That's what ensigns are for, especially those uh, ensign tactical slots on, like, the Defiant that, you know, you don't really have any use for. (laughs) That's true. Bushwookie posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Hey guys, great show. I like the way the three of you take turns explaining new things like ships. As for the new battlecruisers, the stats and everything look great, but another flat aerodynamic design? It's space, we don't need aerodynamic ships. I miss the round saucer section of the iconic ships. I feel there's some cool designs that they could do with those still. My Trek immersion, smiley face emoji. It's true. It's true. My wife only exclusively flies classic round saucer ships. She got a Guardian, but even that one's a little ovoid or a little pointy or wedgy or something like that. So she went back to her uh, ambassador class. She went back to her ambassador class. Each week, our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, opinions, and suggestions for the show. Please keep them coming. Reach out to us on facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast. Follow us on Twitter at STO Priority One or shoot an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 229 of Priority One Podcast. 
we'd like to send a special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Isaiah Dorsch, Navy Boat Slough, Stephen Humphrey, and Lee Malian. Priority One would also like to extend a very special congratulations to our Patreon supporter Isaiah Dorsch, who recently got married. We wish him and his new wife all the best for a happy future. Congratulations. Congratulations. Before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community questions. What are you most looking forward to in the new Armada system? And what would be on your wish list for Season 10.5? Admirals, you know we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses for our community question in the comments section on our site, on our Facebook page, or with a Twitter reply. Be sure to catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. And stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to facebook.com forward slash priority one and give us a like. Or check us out on Twitter via at STO Priority One. You can even join the Priority One podcast chat in game. Just type forward slash channel underscore join space Priority One. Admirals, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. Thanks to our patrons, we've already hit our monthly running cost. With your continued support, we can bring you more convention coverage, reinvest in our tools and technology, and bring you quality Priority One content in new and different ways. Don't forget, even if you can't offer a financial contribution, sharing our show with your friends is another great way to show us your support. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com, covering the ongoing development of Chris Roberts' space sim Star Citizen. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. The Priority One fleet is recruiting, and with a new Tier 5 Starbase, there's never been a better time to join. If you're interested, just shoot us an email with your at handle, and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And now you can become part of our Klingon fleet division, Warriors of Priority One. Today is a good day to join. Kapla, Warriors! <laughs> Kapla! <laughs> Special thanks to Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al Captain Gecko Rivera, for joining us to talk about the upcoming Armada system, Season 10.5, and more. Thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast for their ongoing, dedicated, and consistent contributions over the years, including our executive producers, Elliot and Elijah, our audio engineer, Michael McDonald, with audio assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, and Asmaria DePost. Thanks to our graphic artist, Romulan Ale, to all our bloggers and their managing editor, Elle, to the writer of our prelude dramas and foundry reviewer, Jake Morgan, to our video editor, Jerry Tillman, to Chris Trone, our social media manager, and to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Holosuite Media for supporting this show. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the STO community and our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert! Shields up! Ready phasers. Engage!
Transfer complete. Head to facebook.com forward slash priority one for the inaugural... Uh, that's going to be hard to say. Sorry. <laughs> this is the last week to play the feed... Lep lep thingy. You can get the third spec point or upgrade kit only until the third... Until the third... The third... The day. <laughs> the, the third day. The third day. Ah. <laughs> okay. Mm. And admirals, don't forget to put on your finest swim gear. Ooh, swim gear. Wow. Okay. Jonathan Lone Hawk posted a uh, posted <laughs> postulated, postulated yes. a hypothesis. Jonathan Lone Hawk posted on the STO forums just to want. Oh God. <laughs> you can do it, Cam. You can well, do I, it. Yeah. Okay. I'm just gonna start from the top. All right. I just wish that they could clarify the tooltips to indicate that the cat that the players have more top tier chip top tier chips. Oh, Ooh. I could use some top tier chips. That'd be good. That sounds yeah. really good. Um, you can even join the Priority One podcast chat in game. Just type forward slash join. Uh, shoot. <laughs> Just type forward slash. <laughs> don't laugh. You can do it, Cam. You can do it. Is that a new emote? Forward slash channel underscore just shoot. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really wanted to get through that. I got past podcast catchers. <laughs> I was really <laughs> proud of myself. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Does nobody remember that song? No. Okay, throw Hollow 90s. 